welcome back, or welcome if you're new. I'm Ryan, your host. I want to start off by thanking everyone for the support on my first episode and just the podcast in general. This is something that I'm putting a lot of time and effort into, and I'm really excited to see where it goes. This week, I'm going to talk about the whole Roe versus Wade situation going on, as well as a little bit on the foster care system with one of my good friends, Maya. And let's go ahead and get into it. All right, question of the week. So last week we talked about what are you tired of having to explain about yourself? My answer was um, talking about my mental health and the reasons why I don't like going to therapy and whatnot. Um, so in every episode, I'm going to attach the comment or the question of the week in the uh, Q&A so that you guys can share your answers and I can pick one out or two or three or whatever and kind of share them without spilling you know your background but getting your information out there you know like I said in the first episode I want other people's opinions to be heard too and not just mine which is why I want to have guests like Maya on because in no way are either me or her a expert on these topics or necessarily even an advocate you know out in the open for them but it's just something that people are passionate about and you know it's okay to be passionate it's okay to share your opinions but anyway so what are you tired of having to explain about yourself Uh, my community post uh in the comments somebody said social anxiety a direct quote from them was i wish i could just exist without others comments that's definitely going to be really frustrating i deal with anxiety too not so much social anxiety um just general anxiety but i can definitely understand where you're coming from because when you're anxious in public it's definitely, it feels like all eyes are on you. And no matter what people are saying, if you hear it, you just direct it to yourself. And something I wanted to say about that is, you know, existing without other people's comments is really in your own mind, you know. How much are you going to let their comments get to you is what really it comes down to. And I know that's a lot easier said than done, trust me, but it's okay. We'll, we'll work on it together. Um, you know who you are. But uh, this week, we're going to talk about what's worth fighting for. That is our question of the week. What's worth fighting for? That's a pretty broad question, I think, because I feel like there could be a lot of um, answers for that. But this podcast, for me, shows that something worth fighting for is your opinion, yourself, the way that you view the world. It's different than the way anybody else views the world. And it's okay to fight for that, you know, fight for your opinion to be heard, fight for your stance in the world or wherever whatever you're doing with your life you know fight for yourself Um, but that's just my personal um, experience (laughs) but yeah so go ahead and leave in the comments what you think is worth fighting for and maybe next week I'll talk about what you have to say we're going to go ahead and get right into the topic of the day which like I said is um, Roe versus Wade and the foster care system just want to give a quick disclaimer that this episode might have some sensitive topics in it including assault and abortion the foster care system and um i think that's about it
So, I want to start off by saying country after country have put bans on abortion. These bans have not decreased the number of abortions, but rather increased the number of unsafe abortions. This is something that we're all seeing out here a lot right now because a lot of us women, not necessarily just women because a lot of people are pro-choice, but people who can give birth will say that, you know, women and non-binary, it's making it harder. I mean, over the years, all we've seen, like, before it was even, before Roe versus Wade was even a thing, women were literally doing, a, they were, ha- they were getting abortions anyway, you know, it was just, most of them were dying from getting the abortion, or most of them would end up still giving birth to a baby that was very, very badly disfigured because of what the mother tried to do, or, you know, went through trying to get this abortion, and then they have to live with this child for the rest of their life. All right, I got cut off by a phone call, but that's okay, Um, because we'll move right on. (laughs) Um, So, I have these two things written down, murder and bodily autonomy. Um, Very wild words, apparently, to some people. Murder is defined in the dictionary (laughs) as the unlawful premeditated killing of another human being. Abortion is not illegal, so... Let's just leave that there (laughs) for those pro-life people who are saying abortion is murder. Let's just get the facts straight, okay? I'm not saying you're a horrible person for being pro-life, like obviously to each their own, but let's quit trying to call it murder, all right? Let's talk about bodily autonomy. Bodily autonomy is is basically the idea that an individual has the sole rights to what happens to their body. This sounds like something that would be common sense, maybe like a common basic human right, but um, to some people it's not, obviously. Bodily autonomy is a big deal right now because, I mean, not even just with abortion, a lot of people are trying to find out, find new ways to express themselves and be who they are and show the world who the who the real them is. And now, 2022, is one of the best times to do that, but, I mean, you know, because, that basically because of the way that society is moving in, like, the direction that society is moving in, everybody wants to be their true selves, and that's a good thing, and I feel like bodily autonomy talks a lot about that, and we're just taking it away, we're taking part of it away with this Roe versus Wade being overturned. Um, I have a direct quote from hrw.org um, in the uh, article titled What Roe vs. Wade Means for Human Rights. Access to safe and lawful abortion services is firmly rooted in the rights to life, to non-discrimination, to be free from torture and cruel, inhumane, or degrading treatment, and to privacy, among others. These rights are recognized in international human rights treaties ratified by the United States. So, the fact that the United States is trying to overturn Roe versus Wade is literally completely, what's the word? I'm so bad with words, like right on the spot. Completely contradicting the whole human rights treaties that were literally ratified by the United States. And granted, this was a long time ago, but 
these are human rights. Like literally taking away our safe access to abortion is a basic human right that they're taking away from us. And I just think it's ridiculous. Um, in the case that Roe versus Wade is overturned, there are 22 states that have laws um, to restrict abortion access. However, 16 states plus DC have laws that protect the access, which is a really good thing because you don't have to be a resident of the state to get an abortion in the state. Um, the governor of New York, Kathy Hochul, Hochul, I don't know if I'm saying that right, a direct quote from her says, Any, for anyone who needs access to care, our state will welcome you with open arms. And that quote was a little bit longer. I just, that was the part that was important to me because these states, these other states are accepting people. They, are, they, want, um, they want us to feel accepted and like our rights aren't being taken away from them there. And I just think it's ridiculous that 22 states have laws to restrict abortion access. 22 states out of 50. <laughs> it's crazy. Crazy. You can see it on the map. Uh, if you look up that um, article, What Roe vs. Wade Means to Human Rights, um, I believe that um, map is in that article as well. If not, it's easy to find um, what states have restrictions and what states have um, laws that protect the access. So I want to talk a little bit about why some women get abortions. Um, I've seen a lot of videos, um, especially in the last couple weeks, of women coming out and saying, getting an abortion was the hardest thing I ever had to do. It was the hardest choice I ever had to make in my life. But at the end of the day, it was the best decision for me. It was the best decision for me as a person that's already here contributing to society. There's an estimated 9,000 rape victims that become pregnant each year from said sexual assault. There's over 100,000 cases of incest that occur each year, and two out of three teen pregnancies are unplanned because many of them have no access to contraceptives or they're just taught abstinence, which I think is completely ridiculous, especially with the way that society is moving. Kids are becoming sexually active younger and younger these days, and it's not a bad thing. What is a bad thing, however, is them being taught to not do it and not given any access to contraceptives, condoms, birth control, plan B. I mean, the, there's only, you, I, mean I, I don't know for sure if you have to be a certain age to be on the pill or to get a plan B, but these teenagers don't feel comfortable enough with adults or with their schools or with just people in um, authority to go to them and say, hey, I need help with this. Hey, I don't know what to do with the situation. But I, I probably most of the teen pregnancies that were teens that got pregnant that weren't able to get an abortion didn't even know they were pregnant until it was too late. You know, most of them or they hide it until it's too late. So I it's really frustrating for people to say, you know, these cases, you know, are exceptions. But what about the women that just cannot financially take it? What about the women that can't responsibly raise a child? And we're going to get to the whole, well, put them up for adoption. Like, we're going to get to that in a minute when Maya comes on. But I just think it's really ridiculous. Like, why limit this to, 
you have to do it by this point or you have to have been, you know, assaulted or involved in a case of incest or you have to be a teenager that can't financially, you know, take care of the child. I just think it's ridiculous. We should be allowing women and non-binary people the options for whatever they want to do with their body. Give us our bodily autonomy. Bands off our body. Thank you. But (laughs) moving on, just a couple other um, things that I wanted to touch on before we move on to the interview. Um, Basically, what Roe versus Wade was or is, it said that the unborn fetus has no rights until the third trimester as it is incapable of functioning alone. Let's just talk about a hypothetical for a minute. I saw a girl um, bring this up on TikTok one day in a live stream that she was doing, and it's a really good example that I like to use often now. Um, If you were to put a nine-month-old baby just popped out of the womb, literally like a minute old, and a fetus in the room together for a minute, just leave them alone, the nine-month-old would easily survive due to its viability. The fetus, however, would struggle to survive. In some cases, yes, it would. Most cases, no, it wouldn't, especially before the third trimester. Um, The biological definition of viability is the ability to survive or live successfully. And let's just say that the woman in question who got pregnant had a disease that it was either her or the baby you can carry the baby to term but you will most likely die when you give birth or you can have an abortion and move on with your life obviously most women are going to pick to go ahead and get the abortion because yes she probably wants a child But she wants to live to be with that child, you know, and I just think it's ridiculous that there is going to be no option after Roe versus Wade is overturned, if it's overturned. Um, Taking away the access to abortion puts women at a higher risk for maternal mortality. That's basically what I was just, you know, talking about. And keep in mind that we're in a country that is ranked 10th out of 10 in a recent maternal death study. If that doesn't tell you something, I don't know what will. Um, Two other quick little things that I wanted to just talk about. The taxpayer price of supporting a kid on welfare is greater than the price of a Medicaid abortion. I think that one speaks for itself. Um, For those of us who are not rich, (laughs) you know, I mean, it's one thing if a rich woman gets pregnant and doesn't want a kid but I can support it so yeah sure I'll have it because I'm pro-life but if a person who makes minimum wage gets pregnant that's a whole different story you know because it's not it it's more than the it's more than just about the kid it's about finance finances it's about being personally responsible as a human as an adult human you know And homicide is also uh, one of the leading causes in pregnant women. So again, if that doesn't tell you something, hmm, I don't know what will. (laughs) But um, let's see, was there anything else that I wanted to touch on before we move 
into the next topic um i don't really think so so thank you guys for listening to my spiel on abortion rights um we're gonna go ahead and move on to the interview with maya and i hope you guys enjoyed this and i hope you guys uh enjoy the interview and yeah so we'll see you there okay So this leads me into my next topic. Um, A lot of pro-lifers push for adoption instead of abortion. Um, And I want to introduce a guest, my first guest on my podcast. Her name is Maya, and she's very uh, passionate about the foster care system and uh, being pro-choice as well as me. So hello, Maya. Hi. Very excited to have you on today. Um, So just to kick off this foster care system conversation um there are more than 400,000 kids in the foster care system in the U.S. alone and more than 56,000 kids in the welfare system are in a group home setting um have you personally seen any effects from this working in the uh, substituting industry that you were in yes um I mean it's it's a lot of the kids that were in the education system I guess I mean the juvenile um, education system is ran through the public school system so I was able to like substitute at the juvenile detention and a lot of the kids come from the foster care system and it was really interesting that I learned like if a child has more than five foster placements they're 90 percent more likely to enter the justice system or the criminal justice system so a lot of the kids um that entered the criminal system were already in the foster care system or their parents were in it. So it was a huge, it, and they call it like, it was uh, the foster care to prison pipeline is what they call it. So it was, they already, you know, see a pattern of children in the foster care system or in group homes that are continuously just going through the system. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a statistic here. One in four, children in the foster care system will be involved with the justice justice system within two years of leaving foster care and an estimated uh, more than 40 percent of youth youth who age out won't even complete high school what do you think that schools could do differently to help these things um I was actually just you know kind of looking online and just seeing like what processes or programs that school systems have in place to help foster care um, children and they have what they call um, a foster care liaison and I was kind of interested in like what do they do or what are they providing for kids in the school system what are their requirements how do you even become like a foster care liaison and my experience working in public schools I've never met somebody whose sole purpose (laughs) in the education system is to help foster care children. So this is like the first that I've ever heard that education um, programs have another program in place to help kids. But the more I looked at it, the more I realized there is no actual requirement to become a foster care liaison. So they have Mm -hmm. these policies and programs in place to help kids, but there's no like sufficient education or resources that are really being given to these liaisons to help kids. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that definitely doesn't help. I mean, it, it works in certain cases, I'm sure, with the people who actually care, the liaisons that are actually caring and they want to do this job, but not all of them. Like you said, there's no requirements to become this. And a lot of people out there just are looking for a career that they can get into easily. And this is something that I feel like there should be a lot of requirements to get into that type of career because these kids do need help. Um, many jurisdictions are extending foster care from age 18 to 21 because they're realizing that young adults need much more support. Do you think this is going to make a huge difference in the struggle through school or struggle with the justice system? Absolutely. I think that a lot of the kids that are in the juvenile system or the criminal um, justice system don't have a lot of resources or they didn't have the proper um support from family or members to be able to give them, you know, smart choice or to make smart decisions or to do things for their best interest. And there's lots of resources that are out there for foster kids. Like there's, you know, the Texas Foster Youth Justice Pro Project, and they um, help kids with a bunch of different resources on how to age out and how to, you know, help them become independent and productive members of society. But I don't think extending the age limit or extension for foster care kids will help them unless these resources are widely available for them yeah well is there anything else you want to add um yeah there are no bad kids kids just make bad decisions yeah uh, something I wanted to add at the end of this conversation was like overall neither of us are saying that adoption or foster care is never the option we're just saying that if abortion wasn't outlawed or and or stigmatized these kids may have never had to suffer through the traumas that the system put them through right and that was like another thing I was going to mention too is that like women choose you know not to go through with pregnancies or whatever you know one of the main reasons is because they don't have the resources or the support or yeah you know there's already so much against them, whether it's, you know, systematic inequality or, you know, there's a racial wealth gap. And a lot of that, you know, contributes to their employment discrimination or they don't have, you know, they lack financial literacy. And so all of that is due to, you know, their race. And if they choose not to go through with a pregnancy or they're not able to have an abortion and they have to give birth to a child, their child is then born into the system of systematic inequality. I mean, they yeah. don't have the resources to even support the baby and then the baby is no longer given the resources even after they enter the foster care system right it's a very very frustrating cycle obviously a lot of things in life are but this whole abortion and foster care system is definitely a very agonizing thing to witness going on in the world right now especially in this day and age it is but yeah. there's good resources out there if they're yes. easily available. I highly recommend people go and see what resources are out there to help them. Yes. And I'm actually going to link something in the bio to this episode um, that will give you guys a bunch of different uh, places that you can go donate for abortion um, help, places that you can go to if you need an abortion and your state is outlawing it. Um, so there will be a lot of resources in this podcast for you guys so that you don't even really have to go looking for them. But thank you very much, Maya. I'm very glad that you were my first guest. It was a really great conversation. Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah, and I uh, will talk to you later. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed um, the conversation that me and Maya just had. It was actually a really, really good conversation. Um, Maya had some very interesting things to add. And um, like I said, 
I'm going to be putting a link in the description of this podcast um, that will give you some places that you can go to donate uh, for abortion rights or um, if you need resources for abortion. We're also going to be listing some foster care. uh, Frick, I am just out of words today, apparently. But we're also going to be listing some foster care um, resources for those of you that need anything like that. And if you have any trouble with anything, finding any information that you want to look into on this episode, please just contact me. Uh, But let's move right into the quote of the week. I really like this one. I really like this one. I felt like it fit in with the topic very well. Um, It says, smart people learn from everything and everyone. Average people learn from their experience. Stupid people already have all the answers. Socrates. (laughs) I thought that one was pretty good. Um, (laughs) I just, I I just remember when I first saw that, I just busted out laughing and I was like, that has to go in the abortion episode because I don't know. I just feel like whoever it is, these justices that are trying to overturn Roe versus Wade, I feel like they think they have all the answers because if they were smart people, then they would be hearing us out they would be hearing all the women out that the women and non-binary people I'm sorry that are telling you first of all we need this this is something that is stupid to get rid of for a lot of reasons most of which I just listed in my podcast and me and Maya talked about but if they were average people they would learn from their experiences in the past but they're obviously not they're stupid people (laughs) because They feel like they have all the answers. They think they know everything. They can just make decisions for everybody and about everybody else's bodies. So that's where we're at right now with today's government. But um, that's all I've got for you today. I think this episode is going to be a little shorter than the first one, but that's fine. It's definitely not going to be everybody's cup of tea um, podcast episode. Not everybody really gives a shit about abortion or um, maybe they're just pro-life. And if you're pro-life and you listen to this, I really appreciate you hearing us out because I don't, I'm never really the type of person that wants to have an argument about this because I am very firm in where I stand. I don't, I don't ever really care to hear out the side of the pro-life because most of it is hypocritical or religious based and First of all, there is no religion in law, so anybody trying to argue, oh, well, God said this, God said that, the Bible says this, the Bible says that, don't. The Bible has nothing to do with laws, and a lot of government officials probably take their bias of religion into their voting when they do things, but obviously that's not allowed, we know that whatever, it's still going to happen. I'm not going to sit here and argue that the Bible says this and the Bible says that because we are humans. Um, God is not here with us right now. And God, obviously, if he was here, I'm just going to leave that there um, because I don't want people getting mad at me about my views on religion. We're not going to do that on this podcast. So we're just going to say goodbye from there. Thank you for listening. Um, If you want to find me outside of the podcast, you can find me at Morning Cupcast on Instagram and Twitter. And 
if you need to send me an email, I'm at morningcupcast at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening, and please don't take anything that I say personally, because like I said, this is all opinions. I know that opinions are different. Everybody has different opinions. Uh, I know that I had another pro-choice person on with me today, but like I said, I'm not going to sit here and have an argument with somebody um, about whether pro-life or pro-choice matters more, um, because let me just end with this. Pro-life does not equal pro-death. Pro-life equals, I mean, pro-choice does not equal pro-death. Pro-choice equals pro-choice. You get a choice. I get a choice. It means that I might not necessarily get an abortion, but who am I to say that you can't get one? Thank you. And I'm going to end it right there. (laughs) Y'all have a great rest of your day and we'll see you next week.